special episode. Stroke Focus is honored to work with Healings in Motion to start producing a series of podcasts that will feature our conversation with invited experts. In today's episode, you will hear Dr. Aisha Hunter talking to support group leaders and survivors from Texas, Georgia, Missouri, and Oregon, and even California. Dr. Aisha Hunter is a psychologist and a caregiver. She works very closely with Healings in Motion to help survivors and caregivers. Her husband suffered a stroke five years ago. Since then, Dr. Hunter has become more devoted to the cause of advancing stroke care. She is a prime expert in post-trauma syndrome, which affects many survivors. Her study centers around managing grief and leveraging mindfulness to maximum recovery. Hi, everyone. Everybody, my name is Dr. Hannah, and I'm a psychologist in the process of pursuing my hours so that I can get ready to take the psychology exam in the state of California. In order to do so, we have to have 3,000 hours. I have a little over 2,000. So hopefully sometime next year I will be ready to take the state exam. But I am a licensed marriage family therapist, and uh, I have been practicing therapy for over 15 years. And I have three kids, and I have a husband. My current husband is a stroke victim. And that's how I became involved, and that's how I met Mary. My husband, before, prior to his stroke, he was um, a licensed massage therapist, and he would do the uh, massages at the caregiver symposium for Mary every year. He was faithful in coming to that event. And then when she found out that he had a stroke, she was very, very supportive and very um, involved in our family's life. So I'm very grateful for her. As a therapist, I see a lot of clients that have um, had either medical problems or had trauma, some sort of uh, mental health diagnosis or some type of uh, abuse that they have experienced in their life. And my job is to help them to overcome their their trauma, their uh, past experiences, and to develop into the person that they're meant to be. Um, I'm very excited to be a part of this forum so that I can offer um, information regarding that have that are caregivers because I, I have been and am a caregiver of my husband. And also coming from a clinical perspective as a professional, um, I can offer insight into the um, mental health aspect of not only the the caregivers of uh, people who family members who have strokes, but also to those of us in the professional field who also are familiar with the the impact of a stroke on on someone that we love and are cared for. I'm open at this point to anyone who has any questions that they might want to ask, and then we can kind of go from there. Uh, what, what do you think the most common symptoms are for somebody who's had a stroke or a traumatic brain injury as far as where do they seem to have the most problems? Is it just because they're, they have to face life anew? You know, sometimes 
people believe that grief is about someone who's passing away, but you can grieve anything, especially if you've had a change in your medical condition. You can grieve how you used to be and coming to terms with your limitations and your and the new life is ahead of you can be uh, very uh, depressing for many people. And so it's the best way to um, to deal with that is to come to a place of acceptance and to accept your new life, new conditions, your new way of functioning. And any time a person does not come to terms with that and they, they really live in regret, they live really live in the past, they really have a very difficult time moving forward, and accepting this new way of living and being, then they're going to have um, they're going to have a lot of uh, mental health concerns. Non-acceptance of your current state, whether physical or mental, will create a lot of stress for that individual. And and what it does, and and I, what I think what I was saying before I got cut off was that if you have any previous um, concerns, like any previous unresolved issues from your past, like any trauma or abuse or any previous mental health concerns, it would actually, like anxiety or, or depression, it would actually make it worse because if it's like not having the ability to uh, manage your emotions, if you don't have the ability to emotionally regulate, then now coming on to this new grief, this new situation that you're experiencing would just kind of make things much worse for you. and so. Um, acceptance is a, is key. Acceptance and mindfulness, being aware of the present moment, being okay with with how things are, um, despite how difficult it may be, but just being accepting and willing to to be in this new state with the with a different body and with you know with the limitations actually will allow someone to go further because resistance will actually create more stress, more sadness, more grief, more more pretty much everything. But acceptance, like I said, is the key. Does it affect the fatigue level? Yes. That's a good question. Yes. Fatigue it's like is there's a there's a there's a Buddhist proverb that says pain is very real but suffering is an option. And um so when when you focus on um, the limitations, when you focus on the things that come with the stroke, you know, the limitations, uh, the inability to do the things that that you were not able to do before, it exacerbates your ability to be um, willing and it drains energy from you to not focus on just basically surviving. So. But when you accept, you kind of have, you channel your energy towards doing things that you're capable of doing. And it's like you're more geared towards looking for solutions rather than focusing on the problem. And so when you focus on the problems, it's going to drain you. It's going to drain your energy, and and it can help to create more fatigue. But yet when you have the mindset of just being open and and continuing to be determined to to heal and to overcome your situation, you do have increased energy that can help further you along the way. I hope I answered your question. Yes, you did. Thank you. 
I have a question. My character completely changed, totally from my today. I mean, I was very quiet. I was very like to be alone, and uh, now it's entirely different. I do well walking, brisk walking. I I, I do weightlifting. I do tai chi. I do yoga, and I don't get I don't get tired. But then if I walk from mm-hmm. one to another, I'm winded. Yeah. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, what came to me as you were expressing that was that, first of all, I'm, I'm very happy to hear that you're very active and that you, at prior to your stroke, you were not as active. You were more um, of an introvert. Um, but now, now that um, you've had this experience, you, it has changed your kind of character of how you, you you socialize with others a little bit more, although you do struggle with new people, um, but you're very active and you're able to do Tai Chi and a couple of other things. And um, But then certain times when you take a walk, you get long-winded. So but what comes up for me is, is not understanding how you are. You know, our bodies, our brains and our bodies are very, um, they're very unique. It's, 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 I don't think that we really fully understand, fully understand our brain, our bodies, you know. And there's things that we do that intrigue us. There's things that we don't understand. There's, there's things that we do have some understanding. Um, but I think the best mindset to have really is one of curiosity and one of acceptance. So even though there are things that our bodies will allow us to do and things that it will not allow us to do, we need to really embrace the the reality of what is. So it doesn't mean that we can't ever understand what's going on, but I think that we need to embrace the mindset of acceptance of how things are instead of no, I'm not saying that you're doing this, but it just reminds me of what, what you're saying, that just acceptance of our reality of our situation. And if we don't have an, an understanding of it, to just kind of be okay with how things are and just knowing that this is how you are. This is just knowing that, yeah, you know, I'm able to do this, but I'm not able to do that. I'm curious as to why, but I don't feel like it's really necessary to determine why, the why in order to know that I'm going to be okay. So, in other words, just kind of um, embracing the fact that I may not understand this, but it's okay. This is just how it is. This is just how I am, and I'm, and I'm grateful. So that brings me to my second point. We understand that the, the attitude of gratitude is huge. It is very important in order to um, heal and recover, to be grateful uh, for what we do have, to be grateful for the capabilities that, that, that we still have and to, to be grateful for the people in our lives, to be grateful for our, our situation because you know it can always be worse. It really could. Things could always be worse and if you focus on the worst of what, of our situation, then that takes away from our ability to notice the good, to notice what is going on that is a blessing to notice the the positive things. And so when you have a mindset of acceptance plus embracing being grateful, it actually can improve your mood. It can give you energy. It can give you 
more steps in your path. You know, it should just provide you with a little bit more positivity and um, in your life. And research shows that when every day when we take account for what we're grateful for, it does help set the pace for having a better mood, a better experience, and a better day. So as a therapist, I teach my clients this because it's really research-based, it's proven to be true and really helping people to change their mindset to improve in how they function when they're grateful. Jean, do you have anything to ask? Well, I'd like to ask something that maybe it seems like we all know that psychology works except for the government. How do we uh, get the uh, third party or the government to pay for psychology? Because we all seem to feel that it works. And I think what I heard is how do we um, encourage the government to become more involved in yeah. providing psychological support? Yes, and also the third parties, which is maybe uh, asking the same question twice. Yeah, I agree. Well, like with anything, we need to keep lobbying, you know, the support groups, um, that exist out there for certain causes. We need to keep lobbying. They need to keep hearing our voice. Um, unfortunately, that is going to take that much effort in order to create awareness. And so I think that we are off to a good start in terms of us having this, this form right now. We're talking about it. We realize that there is a need. And so we have to continue to lobby. We inform others of how we are being affected by the lack of support from the government in the area of, of strokes and, and recovery. I can say that just recently Trump signed he signed a, a bill on providing a lot more funding for autism. I, I just saw that in um, social media. And so I don't know what was involved, but I know that there was a lot of push towards because more and more children are, are developing um, autism. And so they just, the government just funded um, several, several, um, I don't know the exact amount, but I think it's in a million um, to help fund autism and research and whatnot. And so um, I believe that in, in terms of what we need to do is we need to continue to um, inform the government, continue to, you know, share our voices and concerns over the lack of support that the government is providing for for us and our families who have experienced stroke, and we need to continue to to um, you know share with others the the impact that it's having and the support that's needed. Um, I do know that um, many people that are on Medicare, um, there is a lack of therapists out there that take Medicare. And um, and so that would affect the lack of opportunity for stroke victims and their families to, to get therapy. I, I am I'm very fortunate to be a therapist that does take Medicare. And as a result, I do get clients that have had all kinds of medical conditions, a lot of also uh, older clients. Um, and um, But I am one of the few, and I do get a lot of calls 
um, from people who have Medicare who who need therapy services. So uh, with that said, I believe that we need to, in, in the area of psychology, many of us either licensed managed family therapists, licensed professional counselors, or licensed clinical social workers, we need to get on the board to accept Medicare clients which could involve clients that that have had strokes and um, other medical issues so that they can get therapy and support with their Medicare insurance. How do you lobby beyond the long term? Yeah, that goes into politics, and unfortunately that is not my area of expertise. Um, I do know that I do know people who are, Involved, who have a very passionate drive to to help create change, and they know more about that. They participate in that. So I believe that, in, in order to support stroke victims and their families, we need to continue to come together and expertise. I just know that when you want social change, you have to get people together, and you have to create a voice, and you have to let the government know about it. That. That's what the key issues are. That's what it has. What is, that's what is needed. And so, um, you, I do know, and as because I do study psychology and and the area of, of understanding people's behavior, that it's important to to be determined and to have a drive and to stay motivated in this because you will get opportunities where doors will close and you'll have people, you'll have politicians who don't see the the purpose or the or the 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 importance of our 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 concerns and so you have to not give up you have to just continue to fight you have to continue to bring things to your their attention make things public and and eventually when they see numbers when politicians see numbers and they see people coming together for cause and especially if they're up for the re-election you know what I'm saying? Then they're going to want to say, hey, well, maybe I can support this issue and maybe, you know, it may be able to help me get more, more votes. And I think things like that have to happen in order to, to involve change and involving the government. But there's strength in numbers. And, you know, throughout time we have, we have proven that. And so when you can create a solidarity and you have a group of people coming together to, um, for a cause, and you know, and it's a large enough number to get uh, the media's attention, then that certainly can help. Where does uh, social media fit into this equation? Because the broadcast and the newspaper media seem to be passe. Yeah. Social media nowadays, it can be very powerful. I mean, you could be just someone who doesn't um, have much popularity or someone who, who's, you know, have a small support group. Um, all it takes is to, to become involved with social media and to highlight something. And if you get other people who watch and other people who are uh, in agreement or, or they're entertained or they, or something, you know, it draws the attention of people. That one person can, can become um, very overnight, can be, become a celebrity, can become um, someone that's actually 
on the on the news, and and it will draw attention to to other people who have power. They may want to begin to support this person. Um, so social media is very very powerful, and it could change things for for people's lives overnight, depending on you know what it is that they do. I think that uh, from a political standpoint, I think that you know involving more awareness and uh, using the social media modality can be helpful to also um, strengthening our cause and creating um, awareness. I know Mary is very involved with uh, advertising and um, promoting, you know, stroke awareness. So I don't know exactly what more can be done, but I do know that social media is very, very powerful and it can change things for people and organizations based on, you know, creating more of a awareness. Thank you very much for your responses. Oh, thank you. I appreciate your, your thankfulness. Thank you. I'm very honored to be a part of this group. Um, I want to go back to, to the grieving and everything. So, you know, I know each of us has a different timeline of, of grief, um, and, and then the acceptance, and, and I believe in purpose, and then, of course, like, you talked about gratitude, but I've had many, many people ask me how they get past the grief to the acceptance. Are there ways to tell them how to do this? Because, I mean, I know for me it was pretty easy because I don't think I knew that I was supposed to grieve, but and so I accepted really fairly quickly. So I don't know how to tell people how to get through that. Uh, okay, yeah. So I like to, um, when I hear people ask a question, you know, I kind of um, notice what comes up for me in my response. And the first thing comes up for me in my response is I can certainly identify that, especially as a therapist, because I have clients coming to me asking me that, that very question, like, how can I get over this? How can I get through this? And, um, and so, for me, what comes up for me is I think the most important thing is, and unfortunately I can't always talk to my clients about this because of where they're at when it comes to this, but that is spirituality. To me, um, the one clients that, that, that are able to identify that they are spiritual, that they identify with a certain spiritual practice, um, I always go with using that as a, as a force to help you because Again, and we even, in science, we even have studied spirituality and mental health, how they, they go hand in hand. And, um, and it's, it is proven that when a person embraces their spirituality and they grow in their, in their walk with whatever it is, that it helps them to create a different mindset, to overcome their grieving, to be able to de develop the capacity to have gratitude more. So strengthening one's spirituality is key in my opinion. Um, and speaking from a caregiver's perspective, I'm so grateful that my husband is very involved in his spirituality and has helped him. It's been, a, it's been five years, a little over five years since he had a stroke. And he's very involved in our church. He's a deacon. He His language, is, his speech is still affected by the stroke. However, um, just last Sunday, he got up in front of the whole congregation 
and he attempted to read a, a scripture um, from the Bible in front of everyone. And people know my husband's history, and so they, even though he struggled with his words, um, he got such a round of applause that it was very encouraging for him. And I'm sure that with experiences like that, for example, will help my husband to be grat- grat- have gratitude, um, you know, just as 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 sharing um, this this topic that we're talking about. But so for then there's those that don't embrace any kind of spirituality and they want something practical. They they want to know, well, how can I do this? Um, so for those individuals, I basically encourage mindfulness practices. So um, mindfulness, of course, is the awareness of the present moment. So most people that grieve are really stuck in living in the past. Um, or they're worried about the future, but it's mostly the past that they're they're, they're focused on. And it's not that um, thinking about the past is a problem. Of course, it's important for us to be able to look back and think about things and so, so that we can learn and grow from them. But it's a matter of being stuck in the past where you're constantly with it, that it's dominating most of your your um, thinking time. If you're thinking about what happened, what what went wrong, how you're not able to do the things that you used to do because of the stroke or or because of this or that, things that are in the past or worried about the future, thinking that my life will never, you know, is never going to be um, effective or I'm not going to ever be able to do this and that like I used to do. And so just constantly being, focusing on the future or the past will basically create a lot of, a lot of sadness, a lot of grief, a lot of non-acceptance. And so, and I think when people get caught up in that, that mindset of focusing on past and future, that they will find it very difficult to have gratitude because guess what? Gratitude means being in the present moment. If you want to be grateful for things, you have to learn to be in the present moment. So, therefore, mindfulness um, training can help a person learn to be in the present moment. So that comes with that a set of philosophy or beliefs that you embrace that they can train your brain to be mindful and aware of what's going on right now. Um, and so for those individuals that do struggle with, with having the, the inability to be grateful because they're, they're still haven't gotten over their grief, I suggest that they do get some support um, from a therapist or from someone um, that, you know, can support them in this and, um, because that would aid them in helping them to learn how to develop some mindfulness practices or if they want to, if they don't have the capacity to, to get therapy or to get that support, then there are a lot of self-help books that are out in the market that embrace the mindset of, of developing mindfulness. And But in order to do that, they have to, of course, have a uh, a a, a determination, a, a motivation to to improve in their quality of life. So if they have that desire, then they can can again seek support through uh, self help books or through the information that's out there that can also be supported. Okay, great. Thank you. You're welcome. Kelly, do you have any questions? I don't, but Bill seems to. Can you unmute him? You're muted, Bill. So let me unmute Bill. So Bill, <laughs> um, I, uh, I, uh, Doctor, um, I have faith 
and, and hope. God really does touch me. I have do my exercises. I diet regularly. Um, and um, I co-founded the Laredo Stroke Support Group, which does things like art, tennis, riding, and bike riding. What am I missing? There's a lot uh, of, of uh, activities that we have. Mainly is to get together with other people and make sure that they do what they want to do. Other stroke survivors. Other stroke survivors, yeah. and to be able to get out of their of their little thing of what they do on a daily basis. Um, uh, one thing I wanted to suggest, uh, since we're all together and we are doing something extremely powerful. Um, I would try to contact the, the the stroke survivors that just recently had a stroke. Yeah. We have to provide them with a maybe and uh, um, I can't remember for the name of a PSA. Yeah. A PSA to be able to say to them what is happening to them because when I got released from the hospital, nobody told me anything. No. Oh. Yeah. I mean. I didn't know that I had dyslexia. I didn't know I had ADD. I didn't know I I was afraid of heights and bills are going up heights. I have um, uh, aphasia. Um, uh, I, it, 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 I came to terms with aphasia. Aphasia, aphasia is my buddy. I lived through other stroke survivors' uh, empowerment, Daniel or uh, Kelly, and or uh, Hector or um, all the other people, and that's all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. My husband has embraced his aphasia as well. Um, he doesn't let it stop him. I mean, I was so proud of him last mm-hmm. Monday when he said, I mean, we're talking like about 200 people in our church service that he stood in front, you awesome. know, attempting to read. And he got such a, um, a, a nice warm applause and he was very encouraged, you know, he yeah. wasn't, um, he could have been very scared, you know, but he was, he was courageous. <laughs> As an individual with just half of a brain, but to get brain. Yeah. I can I guess that's why Bill started this thing and I I I really wanted to work because uh, I I feel I felt like I was abandoned by everybody. And yeah. They tell me just go, home, just to go home and lie and wait for the day. And I thought, <laughs> I'm stupid. I mean, sorry the French, but I thought it was stupid because I didn't want to die. I didn't want to die. The more I was alone at home, the more I got frustrated. And it wasn't until I realized that something was wrong with me. At yeah. I didn't anything was wrong. I would lie to myself. You know, just keep on going, just keep on going. But then after I started seeing, seeing things that were happening to me, that I wouldn't have let 
it happened before. And then you think, well, hold, hold on, something's wrong here. Yeah, I'm not walking, uh, not walking the right way. You need to get together uh-huh. and things. And this group has really helped us a lot. I mean, we've got a lot of people really going forward toward life and not fading away. And most of these people, like when they get released, they go home and they corner themselves into a room and worry about everything. And they shouldn't. Right. Because, of course, like, right. like I tell Bill, I was lucky he saved me. And he told me. <laughs> <laughs> he showed me the way out, and I I feel that we owe it to our friends and 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 everybody to get out of the hole and not wait for somebody to give us handouts. We just need to cooperate to get together and push ourselves out of the hole. Yeah. Um. We we um. I run a music group, and we go around the circle. Everyone takes turn um, introducing themselves, choosing a song, and we also will ask a question. Um, we just want we uh, ask a question um, to give each member uh, practice speaking, and also so that we can learn a little bit more about each other. And I wonder if you have any ideas about. Um, Questions that would be helpful to ask in that setting. Questions that um, don't dwell on things that have been lost. Um, uh, we try to keep it positive and things that might help other people to hear. Do you have any ideas about what kind of discussion or what directions I might lead the discussion? Focusing on someone's strengths. Like, yeah. what are your greatest strengths? Anything that's, that's geared towards looking at the positive. Um, so though that way um, it, it requires um, a person to kind of have introspection to, and to explore because a lot of times, especially if you have a stroke, is you're more inclined to focus on the negatives, the limitations. But right. through this, this empowerment group, I would say shifting that Instead of encouraging to focus on the positives, like the strengths and uh, and uh, and the inspirations about what it is that they want, what, you know, what they would like to achieve. Oh, excellent! Hope we hope you enjoyed the conversation. Healings in Motion will continue to invite more professionals like Dr. Hunter to address questions our audience has. The discussions will take place once a month. If you would like to join these meetings and meet the presenters directly, please sign up at Healings in Motion STARS online portal, https colon backslash backslash discovery.strokefocus.net backslash HIM. STAR stands for Stroke Thrivers and Recovery Strivers. It is a survivor engagement program launched by Healings in Motion. The team will make sure every survivor or caregiver who has signed up will receive a meeting notification before it takes place. In addition, subscribers to STARS Online will get videos, blogs, updates, from a network of innovative support groups. 
You can even find ways to get yourself or your support team involved so that we can build the program with Healings in Motion and other like-minded teams together to improve growth care. 